Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey man. Greetings. Hello. Hello. How are you? What have you been up to? It was your birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you very much. I've been How uh, old are you? 28. Great age. I've been aging. Uh, failed to release an amazing album and die. Tried to get it done in the last hour, but just could not. <laughs> could not get it together. <laughs> That's a shame. Because so, I can't join the club. I did have um, a how do I not a bad experience, but something that caused me some grief. Okay, that sounds dramatic. So on Tuesday, I went to this pub quiz mm-hmm. uh, with my sister and some of our mates. Actually, my mates. They're my friends now. You know why not? Okay, I'm a you know. I'm, that's good to know. Good, uh, good, important might. contextual information about and, your uh, relationship. We didn't win the quiz; we came second. But there was like an auxiliary quiz, which was you could tweet in an answer. That like the the challenge was that you had to come up with a funny pun of a movie where the theme was meat. Like, yeah, and you know you could have like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's T Bone. Yeah, something. Like new, pork, new pork. <laughs> new pork. New pork. New <laughs> pork. Exactly, and if whatever the quiz master decided was the funniest one would win a mm-hmm. bottle of wine. Summer and of ham, just coming up with some now. See, this is all better than I think the average quality. Cause yeah. What one was flat Iron Man? Yeah. Right. Okay. These are the ones I tweeted in. Offer me by your name. <laughs> uh, Venison of Rambo. Oh yeah, that's good. And then yeah. what I thought was the clear winner. Yeah. The Lamb Shank Redemption. Yeah, that's good. And I was, yeah. I was furious that the Lamshang Redemption was beaten by Flat Iron Man. Yeah, because that could be a, a reference to the uh, Flat Iron Building in yeah. New York, for example. Exactly. It's ambiguous as to what it, what the theme of the pun is. So the boaters quiz in Kingston it was a very good quiz, but I got to say this. Oh, you're the, calling them out. You're saying which pub it was. Yeah, the boaters quiz in Kingston. Yeah. Great quiz, very good questions, but the. Ability to tell what is good and bad puns by the quiz master. Not good. Not good. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to know what I've been up to? Yes, yes please. <laughs> uh, so when I was editing the the last episode, I spent like a long time. One of the bit that I find the hardest, here's a little peek behind the curtain, is just thinking of things to put at the end of the of the episode, like little clips. Right, right. Because we've established that as a thing, and I just you know I felt like I had to put something, and I had no inspiration whatsoever. Uh, and I wanted to find some like funny like Avengers like reaction videos or something, yeah. and I just couldn't find anything that was very funny. But I watched so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a long time watching like tons and tons of videos of people just coming out of the Avengers, like and watching, you know, and and giving us their thoughts. Uh, many of them in tears. It's wow. very very emotional experience for a lot of people. Sure, a lot of big fans out there. I was kind of hoping there would be some video of someone who like hated it because he thought it was like just an sjw film or something like one of those like right wing all right type youtube guys 
there was one of those, but it wasn't it wasn't funny. It just wasn't funny enough. And it wasn't they weren't that angry. They generally liked the movie. Which made me wonder if but actually if it was bad on that front. Like if these people don't hate it, that's a that's a sign the film is bad. Well, I'm trying to think how much representation is in the movie. I mean, they got a bunch of women, but they're not the most. Well, it's a. I don't know. It's a relatively diverse cast, but it's obviously hamstrung by the fact that it's you know their their stable of characters is very heavily weighted towards white men. Yeah. Already, but like, yeah, within within that roster, it's relatively. All the main guys have a uh, black best friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, except, well, no, they don't. They don't all have a black best friend. Doctor Strange has got his best friend of color. He's got his Asian best friend. <laughs> He's got his Asian. His Asian best friend. The Guardians of the Galaxy have non-white people in them, but they're you know aliens. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. If you're not uh, Caucasian or Scottish, you just have to be covered up. Yeah, it's some, you've got to be covered up with yeah. some alien alien substance. But uh, now all my YouTube recommendations are just oh, like right. the nerdiest Avengers shit imaginable because I watched so many of these videos. The one that I recommend that I that I watched afterwards. Um, after I'd already chosen a clip from like an Avengers cartoon, which I found kind of funny, is the uh, there's a compilation video of all of the Avengers roasting each other, and includes some very funny s- series of clips of Anthony Mackie, who plays the Falcon in those films, um, dunking on Tom Holland. He he's obviously decided that his like stock response to any question about working you know on those films is going to be how much he hates Tom Holland, <laughs> um, and he just constantly calls him an asshole and calls him out for being a diva on set and stuff, and it is. Pretty funny, wow. gotta say. Pretty, pretty funny. What if it's true? Well, it could be true. It, it could true. just be be, ve- be being very candid. Yeah. I mean, I sort of took the joke to be that he is, you know, very young and not that famous yet, and so therefore would not have the ego. Whoops. Excuse me. But perhaps it's just he just developed it very quickly. You know, he was Billy Elliot and whatnot, wasn't he? So he's probably in, uh, in the back of his head on he's stage. Like, I know I'm like, you know, a fairly new addition, but I am Spider Man. I'm going to outlive everyone in this movie. They're not getting rid of me. You know the bit in um, uh, the beginning of Spider-Man where he's like doing his uh, 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 vlogging? Yeah, yeah. And then Favreau comes to the door and he like does a backflip over the bed. Apparently he just did that. Oh my God. He can do backflips and he just, you know, he basically is Spider-Man. So he just sort of like did this backflip over the bed to go and talk to him. Wow. Very impressive. That is good. He's an impressive young man, that Tom Holland. One to watch, I would say. I really think his career is going places now that he's in the biggest film franchise in history. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Playing one of the most beloved characters of all time. Anyway, Danny, what is this podcast about? What is it about? I'll tell you what it's about. Please do. Film Chat's a podcast all about an unemployed actor called Sam Foster, whose career and life is going absolutely nowhere. Oh, dear. After a bad day of bad auditions... That's why it's bad. He comes home to find his girlfriend packing her bags. Uh-oh. She leaves him. She's had enough of Sam's consistent failure. She's just gone. Things get worse. His beloved cat dies of a bladder infection. Dead cat. Alone. Not even got a pet to stroke. No job to go to. You think it can't get worse. A few days later, he catches a burglar trying to break into his apartment. This burglar, who turns out to be Danny Moran, uh, you know, tries to escape, but Sam ties him up and is about to call the police when he unexpectedly finds himself falling in love with him. Is what I would be saying <laughs> if this was a adaptation of the 2002 film P.S. Your Cat Is Dead. It's self-adaptation of the 1975 stage play, which itself was an adaptation of the 1972 book by James Kirkwood. This is in fact just a podcast in which we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran and joining me is a man uh, whose cat is also dead. Sorry about that. That, my, my cat is dead in real life. 
Sam Sam Foster. Not recently, but you know, I do have. I had a cat that was alive that's not alive anymore. It died of old age, right? It had a good run. It had a good run. It was an old cat. I mean, I'm not. I'm not just like trying to get you know tears flowing here. I'm not. I'm not searching for sympathy, but you know, just saying that this film sounds quite realistic to my actual life. Um, You're not an actor. Uh, but I am a consistent failure. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Stop this. Um, all right. Uh, so this week on Film Chat, uh, I wanted to review Avengers Infinity War again, having seen it in the cinema again. I had a lot more thoughts on it. Danny vetoed that in no uncertain terms. Uh, so instead, we'll be discussing two rather smaller films. Andrew Haig's Lean on Pete, a downbeat road movie about the burdens of adolescence, which is especially difficult if you're by yourself and you've got a horse to deal with. And Tully. Directed by Jason Reitman, uh, no, Ivan, Jason. Jason, Jason Reitman, a comedy drama about the burdens of adulthood, especially when you're a mother and you're kind of tired out because it's hard being a mum. I haven't seen this movie, so my references to what it's about are a bit vaguer. Is that what it's about? Yeah. Great. Uh, we'll also be looking forward to some exciting upcoming projects from Nicolas Cage and Jordan Peele. Great guys, great pair of lads. Uh, and checking in on one of the most cursed film productions of all time, Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. All of that should leave just enough time for me to take you through my top 10 favorite YouTube reaction videos to Avengers Infinity War. I didn't want to waste all that time, so I've compiled an extensive rundown of the ones I like the best, from the one with the girl who's sort of in tears uh, about the film because of the sad ending, to the one where the guy complains about the scene in which Shuri makes a sort of quip that implies that she's smarter than Bruce Banner because that's just an outrageously unrealistic sop to the SJWs. He doesn't recognize how smart Banner is. There's no way this, this girl from Wakanda would be smarter than him. Ridiculous. He doesn't like that. Yeah, there's also a few other ones that I like. <laughs> there's like a family. They're all in it. So it's quite a good one because there's like loads of them in it. And they, they're videoing themselves before and after the film, like ju- literally during the credits rolling, but before the, the post-credits scene, they're doing like reactions to it. Wow, that is instant. That's pretty instant. So uh, So that one was pretty good. Yeah, I'll just take you through them all, actually. <laughs> films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Woo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short hours long we've got films up to your gills with films 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 movies are you feeling comfortable film chat has begun so um last week before we recorded danny posted a message on twitter asking for some correspondence i did put it on twitter yes i did you did um, and unfortunately, we the replies that we got came after we'd already recorded. We probably should have posted, you know, earlier. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Um, so we've got to deal with some of the questions from our loyal listeners. Morton Marifat on uh, Twitter asked us, "Why is Benedict Cumberbatch in films? Not a Cumber fan, I guess. Not, not a Cumber bitch. Not a Cumber slut." <laughs> <laughs> um. Danny, I'll let you feel this one. Why is Benedict Cumberbatch in films? I think just Sherlock was really successful, right? <laughs> <laughs> it made, made him quite famous. And then, 
you know the imagination of hollywood producers is very limited so like who's gonna play the smart guy uh that guy he plays a smart guy in the you know internationally uh well-received series where he plays the smartest guy yeah uh, I think Doctor, it... Space Doctor Sherlock, Doctor Strange, you know, uh, real Sherlock, but with computers, Alan Turing. And cetera, well, there's the line in um, Star Trek Into Darkness where um, Khan is like, I'm better at everything. Yeah. And that's obviously the guy you turn to, isn't it? Because I am better at what? Everything. Yeah, when you want to play an arrogant intellect, intellectual guy, he's just... He's the bad. one you want. You know, the imaginations of producers are limited, Morton. I think that's the answer. I think there's a lot of roles out there for posh, um, smart, you know, arrogant people. That's just, it seems like a popular character type. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tom Dewhurst um, also sent us a message. He says, I know I'm late, but I hope you discussed how the new Avengers film is perfect satire. How Thanos is a symbol for our post-Trump depression. How Captain Marvel's feminism is all that can save us now. How half the population, i.e. Trumpers and Brexiteers, are dead to us. Right? That's a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? It would have been if Thanos was like, I'm here to get rid of 52 of the population. (laughs) (laughs) 52%. Yeah. Yeah, that actually would have been awesome. Um, and all's left was just Duncan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> the only the people, <laughs> only people who have oh, hashtag FBPE on their and their Twitter handles will survive the coming Actually, apocalypse. That would be a proper fucking dystopia. All those left was the fucking Lib Dems. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna save us now, not oh these guys. God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tr- Thanos, a symbol for our post-Trump depression. Perhaps he is sad, and he makes people sad. Yeah. But, is he like Trump, would you say? Well, isn't, you know, a sort of popular thing in the comic books, particularly like Iron Man, they're always like fighting their inner demons, which are sort of literalized. Yes. Right? So Tony Stark is kind of fighting his industrialist past. Like the Jeff Bridges guy is basically like Tony Stark at the start of the movie. Yeah, exactly. He ends up, he ends up fighting himself at the start of the film. Yeah. So, the you know, monsters as metaphors for depression is quite a common thing. Well, so maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe this is... You know, part of the success of Avengers Infinity War is because the general mood of everybody is so apocalyptic <laughs> that a film with like a particularly uh, sort of pat- like strong and dedicated apocalyptic approach is, seems appropriate, you know, strikes a chord. People are like, yes, this is how it would go. Yeah. I don't think, you know, the heroes would have much success. It probably would be like, well, probably was going to end. You're right, Tom. It is genius satire. I mean, I didn't prefer it to death. Well, there's, Stalin, that, there's so. that line that is often... Um, Scribe T, uh, what's he called? I want to say Frederick Jameson, but is that kind of whiskey? Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> but Jameson is is a whiskey, but yeah. is it Frederick? I don't know. I don't know. Where he's this like like some Marxist thinker, or whatever. He's known for um, the the phrase. Uh, it's easier to imagine the end of the world than it is the end of capitalism. Yeah, and you know maybe that's maybe that's what they're tapping into here. Don't want to get too galaxy brain about it but I have been invited to by this message. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's necessary. It's necessary to do some, to stretch a little bit. Yes. Excellent observation, Tom. It is a perfect satire. Better than the death of Stalin. Yeah. IMO. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, our, one of our most regular correspondents, Hoppo, Hopporn, um, says, it's also late, but I recall the hiatus was because one of you was studying media. So, Want to hear your rant about how shite the media are and how you're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore. Sam, you did the media degree or doing the media degree. 
rant. Thank you for inviting me to do an epic rant, uh, Hoppo. Of course, I of course I will. I'm studying political communications, but media it sort of is quite a lot of crossover with general study of the media. I was writing an essay about media power. Um, just shit, isn't it? Media is awful. It's just a bunch of liars. Um, they should all be killed. I think. <laughs> And their institutions should be, should be, should be destroyed. The back of the head. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of reading um, of various sort of academic texts and studies, and some of it has been quite dry. But it's my conclusion is that they should all be fucking piled into a big building, and that building should be set on fire. <laughs> I gotta say, like the more I read like uh, quantitative academic studies about media coverage, uh, the more I become a, a hater and a um, you know an online crank who's like the the MSM are, are lying to you and they were just all manipulating us on, on the behalf of the, you know, ruling class or something. And then I just, they should all, they should all be destroyed. They're beasts. <laughs> they should all be destroyed. <laughs> to quote that guy from Warcraft at the beginning. <laughs> They're beasts. They should all be destroyed. Yeah, that's, and that's the conclusion of uh, of my rant. My rant on that. I don't know if I'm quite at Jonathan Pie levels yet. I don't know if I'm ready to sell out the Shepherd's Bush Empire with my with you know my famous rants. Yeah, um, but I'm working on it. Working on it. Don't see where his film podcast is, so can't really be compared. We've each got our thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. Nicolas Cage is the internet's favorite actor. He is. He's, he produces endless memes because of his because of his extreme acting. Because of his extreme acting and. It's probably fair to say he's been in a slightly fallow period recently, a lot of straight-to-DVD stuff. But apparently this year, there's been a, a whole flurry of great Cage performances. Apparently there's a bit in the horror movie Mom and Dad where he destroyed a pool table while reciting the Hokey Cokey. Sounds like a classic Cage. It's a bit of it in the trailer. It does look pretty good. And uh, apparently he's also very good in the upcoming uh, movie Mandy. And he has lined up a very exciting project with the Japanese director Sion Sono and... I know a little bit about this director, but it seems like the internet was very pleased with this because he is as extreme and crazy as Cage. And Cage is reportedly going to star in the post-apocalyptic action thriller Prisoner of the Ghostland, which will be Sono's English language debut. premise is that it centers on a notorious criminal called Hero, played by Nicolas Cage, who is sent to rescue an abducted girl who has disappeared into a dark supernatural universe. They must break the evil curse that binds them and escape the mysterious revenants that ruled the ghost land, an east meets west vortex of beauty and violence. Very exciting, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it sounds a little bit like um, a self-published Amazon novel. Like, Yeah, blurb, exactly. But, like, uh... but um, he's quite a respected director. I've only seen one of his movies, well, a bit of one of his movies, called Love Exposure. The reason I've only seen a bit of it is that's four hours long. Described in this news story as a four-hour upskirt photography and Catholic guilt epic. Well, that was definitely present in the first hour I watched. And then it, there was like, it's in chapters. And the second one starts with a woman who, a bit like Kill Bill, is like some sort of sociopath teenager. And a pedophile tries to have sex with her and she breaks his dick off. Breaks his dick off. Breaks his dick like What, with her hand? It. She snaps it off yeah, like, it's a, like, like it's a fucking gargoyle's, like... like... Yeah part of a sort of stone thing yeah and then i was like i'm just gonna have a cup of tea and then i never returned to it i've still got it on my laptop if you want to borrow it i thought you would say it still haunts my dreams <laughs> <laughs> this girl with this holding this torn off dick but yeah it's exciting i think like one of 
the more recent good Nicolas Cage movies was Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, whereas like New Werner... Orleans, Port of Call, New Orleans. Oh, sorry, that one. Yeah, uh, and you know Werner Herzog is someone who's like weird enough that he sort of could marshal Cage's craziness into a really good performance in a quite tight movie, and sometimes it feels like he's just doing these kind of crazy outlandish movies, and they're never as good as the premise. And it's just, you know, you do your thing, Cage, and here's a bit more money to pay off what must be some huge mortgage debts because it makes no sense when you're making all these films. Yeah. Um, How much alimony do you have going on at the same time? (laughs) Exactly. But, uh, yeah, the, you know. There's a good, this is in the Birth Movies Death article about this. Um, They have a little uh, sort of description of some of his other filmography. And if you were going to watch one of these movies from this description, what do you think sounds the most appealing? The Yakuza rap musical, Tokyo Tribe. The blood-soaked tribute to 35mm, Why Don't You Play in Hell? The Christmas family monster flick slash sing-along rock movie, Love and Peace. Or the notorious teen shocker, Suicide Club. What what sounds the best out of those to you? What would you go for? Suicide Club? Notorious teen shocker? I like, you know, notorious. So, you know. <laughs> Why? Why is it notorious? You've got to find out. got to find out. I'm intrigued. Um... Yeah, I mean, they, they sound like fun. Also, according to this article, he re- he released seven features in 2015 alone, which oh is God. really putting Takeshi Miike to shame. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the and that's, like, that, that was the... The director or Nicolas Cage? Um, that's the director. Oh, wow. I mean, unless, like, he hadn't made any films for, like, you know, Just 10 years previously up. and he'd been saving them up to release them all in the same year, um, that suggests that he is extremely prolific. What if um, this... It's called Prisoners of Ghostland. Yeah. I was going to say, well, if Love Exposure is, you know, a template for how he makes his movies, it did seem like it was short. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. With a digital camera in about five minutes. Even though it's like four hours long, it's like... Yeah, like, but it really hurdles forward. It feels like, you know, they shot it all very, very quickly. Yeah. Maybe didn't have any permits. Still trying to think about how you can break someone's dick off. (laughs) Well, it's like, you know... It's almost like it's a carrot or something in terms of... <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't obey the, you know, the physics and biology of an actual dick, just to put your mind at rest there. It's like a sort of, you know, outlandish, cartoonish, violent moment. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Another very exciting upcoming project, whether someone's dick will be uh, snapped off like a carrot in this. Like, who knows? Uh, this is Jordan Peele. Um, whose next feature, following Get Out, which is obviously a massive hit, is going to be a film called Us, which is making for Universal, and it's going to star Winston Duke, Lupita Nyong'o, and Elizabeth Moss. We don't know exactly what this movie's going to be about, but apparently it's going to centre on two couples, one white and one black, and that's literally all they know about the movie so far. Well, I, I think when he was doing the press runs for Get Out, he said he had like another four, what he deemed like social thriller scripts in the locker. So maybe, you know, obviously now, like, any studio's like, please come and make Have all the money us. you want. Yeah, but uh, I always like Lupita Nyong'o. I like seeing her as a human woman in Black Panther. Uh, you yes, know. me too. Enjoyed her human woman performance <laughs> in that. 
And Winston Duke also in Black Panther. Which, who is he in? Um, he is M'Baku. Oh, right, cool. And he's also in Infinity War. Also, oh, awesome. also very charming, charismatic yeah. actor. And Elizabeth Moss, I could totally see her in a horror movie. I mean, she was in that um, film Queen of Earth, which was sort of a horror movie, in that she is like a little bit off kilter, you know. It was like it was horrifying in that just like her sort of mental distress was you know took you into some dark places. She was she's just, she does stressed very well, Elizabeth Moss. Absolutely, and but also that kind of like social tension that like, I feel like would lend itself well to absolutely. this. Absolutely, yeah. She's something. There's something just a bit weird about her. Yeah, okay. she's quite intense. I feel like if you just like had a shot of Elizabeth Moss and just put some you know suitably creepy music over it, but like that is a horror movie. Well, like, um, she was in that movie... Did we do that with anything, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> but especially as of Moss's face. That's my theory. Well, you know that movie, The One I Love? Did we watch that together? I I didn't. I think we watched it I... Eva's, but I think I'd left by that point. Oh, okay. I watched All right. uh, After Earth and... Um, yeah, because we, we had a sort of movie and, night. Uh, this... I don't feel alone in this home anymore. It was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only watched the first two. Well, the one, the one I love is this movie um, in which she plays. It's like a couple, and they go to some sort of like couples retreat thing as they're like bickering, and um, then they find that there's another room in that. Well, let me explain this again. Um, so the one I love is about this uh, couple who are bickering, and they go on holiday together to some kind of like house for rent, and then there's like copies of them in the house which they didn't realize at first. They just think that they're seeing their partner who's, like, behaving, like, much, you know, more friendly and kind. And yeah. they're like, oh, you're, this is really relaxing you, but it turns out it's just, like, a clone of them who's also there. And anyway, it's got this very weird, like, offbeat tone the whole film. It's not quite clear, like, what it's supposed to be. But I think, like, having Elizabeth Moss in it does lend it a much more kind of, like, creepy, like, horror-type dimension because she yeah. just has that. Um, she, there's a lot of, like, nervous weird. energy under the surface. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds cool. I'm very excited for that one. Like, you know what? I'm going to go see the new Jordan Peele movie. You know, Get Out. Was do you think so? Enough yeah. I am... I'm going to go see. The I next think. One. I think I might. I think I might check it out. Want to see what's up? And finally, for this news section, we're going to check in on the man who killed Don Quixote, which is this extraordinarily long gestating project for Terry Gilliam, uh, which he was first conceived in the 80s and then first tried to shoot around 2000. And then the set got uh, swept away in a flood or something. Yeah, yeah his like funding a, fell through. Yeah. He's had it's been a catalogue of disasters for him. We've talked a bit about it before, because it looked like it was finally getting together. It got a, a cast featuring uh, Adam Driver and the, the, Jonathan, Jonathan Price. Price. Remember this guy's name? Pretty proud of myself there. Um, <laughs> and he shot the film, and it was announced for the Cannes Film Festival, and it seemed like everything was in the bag. We finally get to see what this project was all about. And then it was struck by a lawsuit. So it had this producer called Paolo Branco who stumped up some of the funding for it in 2016, subsequently left the project and is now suing Terry Gilliam for like exclusive rights to it um, or exclusive like screening rights to it or something. I don't know the exact details of, of how this lawsuit is sort of shaking out, but um, it has caused serious ramifications. It looked like it wasn't going to play at Cannes. Uh, and then the film festival like directors sort of stepped in and they said it would play at Cannes, so that was quite nice. But it did cause Amazon to pull out of it, so Amazon were going to distribute the movie, and they um, also provided quite a substantial chunk of its funding, like something like two and a half million. And because of the delays and uncertainty caused by this pending lawsuit, or it's like ongoing, there's been a few um, court rulings on it, um, they've pulled out. So uh, there's no distributor for the movie now, and he will need to find somebody else. Uh, to to step in 
so yeah so its fate remains extremely uncertain also terry gilly was hospitalized you know, yeah so like, yeah so he had a minor stroke as well recently oh and uh had to had to go to hospital but apparently he's again he's going to turn up at the uh at the premiere of it which is the it's the closing movie of the festival but it's there's, you know if he, also, the next few days. If, he, if he lives if he lives uh, but also Terry Gilliam is is coming off of a bad year in other ways because he made some very ill-advised comments about the Me Too movement and described it as mob rule or something and said it was like Yeesh. people with pitchforks coming for Frankenstein's monster, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Ellen uh, Barkin, is it Barkin or Birkin? Barkin, Ellen Barkin, the actress, um, sort of called him out. She was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas um, and uh, she called him out on Twitter over Me Too and after he made those comments about it being like mob rule she tweeted something like uh never get in an elevator with terry gilliam alone or something like that Yeesh. so stopping slightly short of like an accusation but you know close enough to one yeah yeah um oh, man. so it's just there's a lot going on a lot going on with this and i and i think probably a lot will hinge on what people actually think of this movie because nobody knows like whether it's going to be any good well you think like just like the story around the film is so huge now it's so monumental so it's just that, eclipses like, the movie itself even if the film was it would have to be like absolutely it's staggering to like change the to, yeah. narrative yeah yeah like, even yeah. if it's just like very good it's not gonna be it's still gonna be eclipsed by all the shit around it so it has to be like one of the best films ever made maybe like yeah too much uh, writing on it now yeah absolutely Anyway, so I just thought I'd check in there, <laughs> see what see what was up with that. There's a bunch of different random shit going on with it. And, um, of course, your premier source of news on all things related to cinema, which is this podcast. We will keep you updated on the progress of this and the latest twists and turns. So stick with us. Stick with don't us. Don't check. Don't look it up because it will, will always be, you know, several days to a week behind the events. So don't look at Twitter or the, or the websites with the news coming, you know, promptly. Wait and listen to this and then check the news afterwards. I'd appreciate that. Thanks. Okay, great. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astonishingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. Please review a film for me, Danny. I'm keen for you to review a film i want to know what you thought of a film how would you feel about me reviewing the film tully i'd be delighted so tully this is a new film from jason reitman and it's his third collaboration with diablo cody who previously wrote juno and young adult and this reteams those two with the star of young adult charlie theron and uh, the plot is that charlie's plays marlo she's a struggling mother of two children who's pregnant with an unplanned third child and her son jonah uh, it's not specified, but he's got um, learning needs. He's like full of anxiety and he gets stressed out over small things. And it's obviously a, a bit of a struggle to cope with him. And her rich brother, played by Mark Duplass, offers to buy buy her <laughs> buy her a night nanny. I think probably employ is the word I'm looking for there. <laughs> employ a night nanny, which is basically uh, a professional comes at night and looks after the baby. And when the baby needs to be fed, wakes up the mother. So you get a better night's sleep is the basic idea. I wasn't familiar with this as a concept, but apparently it's something that, something that people do. Well, how would I know? I'm a young, swinging 28-year-old. <laughs> I got no kids. No will do. Can't tie down this lone wolf. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, Marlo's initially skeptical about it, but then, you know, when she gets so exhausted, she relents. And uh, the night nurse, the Tully of the title, played by Mackenzie Davis, uh, turns up and her life uh, improves. 
And here's a clip of the two of them uh, bonding and sharing some life stories. You seem like a great mom. <laughs> great moms organize class parties and casino night. They bake cupcakes that look like minions. All the things I'm just too tired to do. Honestly, even getting dressed just feels exhausting. I open my closet and I just think, didn't I just do this? Yeah, but that's the downside of living on a planet with a short solar day. Although Jupiter's even shorter. You're like a book of fun facts for unpopular fourth graders. So it's like a non-fantastical Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Centered on the parents. Yeah, just no magic powers at all. It's rubbish. That's that's my first and main complaint. <laughs> the nurse didn't do any magic. <laughs> the nurse didn't do it the, the whole movie. Is... I was waiting for the nurse... So, I love Nanny McPhee. She does magic in that. Exactly. What is this exactly. garbage? So um, I'm sort of mixed on the movie, and my pithy summation of it would be that it's good in uh, ambition and the ideas it's tackling with, but slightly clumsy in its execution. And it feels a bit trapped between something that feels like a very modern 2018 indie movie and something that feels like a slightly kind of mid-noughties one. And if I was going to be re reductive about it, it's a bit like... Juno Diablo Cody on one hand and uh, Young Adult Diablo Cody because I think Juno isn't very good and I think Young Adult is really good and all the things that are wrong with Juno is what makes Young Adult good yeah to briefly dip into my Diablo Cody opinions and I think the most successful part of it is that it conveys very effectively the massive emotional and physical strain of having a child and it really puts you in the headspace of somebody who's exhausted and there's this one montage sequence of uh, when the baby has been born and the sort of daily routine of getting up and feeding it and changing it. And I found myself just like filled with dread. I don't know if this is pushing on some particular anxieties I have, but it was just like having a child is horrific and like, I don't know why people do it. Wasn't making you broody. Not at all. Reverse brooding. And um, it reminded me a bit of, I think, the point you made when we were discussing Ladybird about how in general people are more aware of mental health as a thing and it's discussed a bit more openly and the movie in a way is kind of about the need for people to discuss mental health issues and to sort of destigmatize it and there's even a point in the movie where the son jonah is referred to by a couple of characters as quirky and at one point charlie's Ferron like flips out like what do you mean by that like and it is a slightly vague patronizing term that obfuscates an actual issue yeah and this might be reading a little bit deeper, but I, quirky was a kind of buzzword used to describe a lot of mid-noughties movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like Juno in that. And it's a bit like Diablo Cody is commenting that, you know, these people aren't quirky. They have mental health issues, and it's not enough to just reduce them as a sort of crazy character, you know. There's obviously issues that need to be dealt with. Yeah, there's a psychology behind it. It's not just, like, some mannerisms to, like, entertain you. Exactly. Um, but I think the film comes a little undone with the character of Tully um, which does feel like a quite a dated story conceit and it's not as bad as I thought it would be where you're in a crazy existential funk and then this manic pixie dream nanny will come and you'll dye your hair and sing you know songs loudly at a karaoke bar <laughs> it's not like that it's a bit more which I was kind of worried it was going to be a bit like that yeah it's yeah, a bit yeah. more measured than that but basically in the last third of the movie it doesn't quite land and I've got like a sort of theory where a movie can be 80% good and 20% bad, but if that 20% is in the last half, it just like reduces the whole movie overall. Yeah. And leaving the cinema, I 
was like, did I enjoy that? I don't know. And I think maybe the conversation you have about the film is perhaps throws up a lot of ideas and just the fact that it's quite frank about postnatal depression and you know when you become a mother it's supposed to be the happiest thing ever and like look you have this bundle of joy but it's like you are now in charge of this tiny helpless thing and you must dedicate every waking moment to making sure you're not messing up and society will judge you in a million different myriad ways yeah 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 and you know it's just a lot to deal with um but yeah the performances are excellent it's kind of charlie's movie and she is a typically brilliant self very unveiled performance but she's just like i don't know i've never seen her give a bad performance she's just awesome i could watch her anything and um, Mackenzie Davis is also with a much harder role because it's a bit like, uh, I don't know, she's a bit more of a conceit as a character. It's like the movie wouldn't exist without her, but it's also its weakest element. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, it's sort of mixed success. I think the things that are good about it makes it worth watching, but it just doesn't quite land the way you want it to. Cool. Good to know. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. Let's join Share between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on, the guys are in, so let the chat begin. Start talking now. Lean on Pete. This is a film that's been written and directed by Andrew Haig, who previously made 45 Years and a movie called Weekend, based on the novel of the same name by someone with the quite cool name of Willie Vlorton. Um, and uh, you got it. Vlorton. <laughs> he must get that all the time. He must get that semi-workable, comprehensible pun constantly. Um, and it also, it's got a sort of surprisingly starry cast of people who are playing down. It's like you're sort of squinting at them like, wait a second, you're famous. Uh, Chloe Sevigny, Travis Fimmel, um, Steve Buscemi, Steve Zahn, and a newcomer, Charlie Plummer, who plays the central character. Um, he's this young boy, 15 years old, and at the start of the movie, he um, uh, he's working with, he's living with his kind of deadbeat dad, and his mum is not in the picture, uh, and he befriends this guy who gets him to work at a racetrack, um, where he becomes close to one of the horses, and then various events transpire, and he ends up in a kind of, it turns to a sort of road movie about the kid and the horse, um, uh, heading across America um, and being sort of rather hard done by uh, vagrants and he has a tough time Yeah. here is a clip of um, the boy Charlie he's called, called Charlie just like the actor uh, he's in the that's good casting that's great casting great casting um, and he's in a car with Steve Buscemi and Chloe Sevigny Steve Buscemi being the horse handling man and Chloe being the jockey who rides his horses and they're having a little conversation so what do you like to do, Charlie? Mandela here isn't making you do all his dirty work. I run. I play football. At school? Yeah, but not yet. I played in Spokane. I was on the freshman team. We won eight games in a row. What position? Corner. And sometimes wide receiver. But I'm too little to play anything else. I'm waiting to lift weights until I stop growing. I haven't grown in six months. So, maybe soon. Why'd you move to Portland? My dad moved here for work. What's he do? Can we not talk? I ain't talking to you, I'm talking to the kid. I was tired of talking to you 15 minutes after I met you 20 years ago. <laughs> I had to go. 
tell it like I see it. Hmm. What's that about? What's that? What's that about? Some real conversations in this film, you know what I mean? Yeah. Characters talking to each other about stuff. Interesting. I watched this film very recently, uh, earlier today. <laughs> you, four hours ago. Four hours ago, approximately. <laughs> so it's all very fresh. And Danny saw this at London Film Five, Festival, nine right? Nine months ago. Nine months ago. <laughs> so it'll be interesting, uh, contrasting, you know, distances from, from watching the film. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was really, really good. It's quite sort of hard-hitting film. You know, um, I just, one of the few things I knew about it going in, basically, is that it was directed by the same guy who made 45 years, which is also a rather sad movie, but it's like, you know, consists of very gentle um, scenes of old wealthy people looking at letters and sort of, you know, staring sadly into each other's eyes and stuff like that. Whereas this film is, deals much more directly with physical deprivation and hardships. Um, and I wouldn't say it's a very tough watch. It's got a sort of elegiacal tone that I guess is inescapable for any film in which you're traveling across the middle of America and it's all like dusty roads and like everything's a bit sort of old and creaky and, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um I mean, it fits a, a definite mold. Like, however you'd imagine a story about, a, you know, a kid and his horse, like, traveling the land. Like, it's very much like that. Um, so it's not very difficult to watch in that way, but it does, um, doesn't does shy away from the sort of problems that you might have if you're, like, a child with no resources and you've got to deal with this horse. Um, yeah. It's, it's a tall order. <laughs> it's a tall order. Um, and uh, so it's, yeah, somewhat difficult from that perspective. And I... But I mean, it, it 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 worked on me very effectively. You know, I found it like um, quite an emotional uh, movie, and it's all held together by this really strong performance by Charlie Plummer, um, who looks a bit like he should be in a uh, um, One Direction esque boy band or something. He's very sort of pretty very, looking, very pretty. Um, but he scrubs down well. I think as this <laughs> like uh, as this really poor kid, and he's surrounded by a lot of very good um, supporting performances. Travis Fillmore is really, really good as his dad. He's like not in the movie like loads, but um, he makes a really strong impression. Um, and he's just a very charismatic, great actor. I knew he was good in Warcraft. I knew I was like watching this guy. I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. He definitely play a good sort of drunk deadbeat dad. And he does. <laughs> um, and uh, Steve Buscemi is also typically extremely charming. Yeah. I think when I saw it, I mean, I saw it at a festival and... Going in, it's like, it's this coming of age and there's like an animal involved. And I don't know, it's just because like, I'm seeing cares and they're just like, oh God, this something's going to happen. Don't make, or, if you're poor, don't make friends with an animal. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have a certain amount of baggage going in. but I, And it is, you know, it doesn't um, pull any punches necessarily. But I think Andrew Haig is a very kind of humorous director. And there's a lot of empathy towards everyone in the film. Yeah. Which, uh, not cushions the blow, but just like it's very welcome you know you could make this movie like super harsh and horrific but he's just like his niceness of like use the film with uh yeah a certain quality and like that sort of empathy just means like the deadbeat dad character like you're saying that's such a sort of cliche in a way and it could so easily be played that way but you kind of get this little interior life where he's a deadbeat just because he's like a bit useless and he's more of like an older brother than a dad yeah he just doesn't know quite how to do it and i don't know i think everyone has afforded that kind of space where like yeah there's absolutely no villains. Yeah. it's like everyone's a bit like um i think the movie does a good job of just so showing the sort of attrition of life everyone's like a bit beaten down and nobody is going to be like there's a few characters who turn up who's like could be like a surrogate father figure but they've got their own shit to deal with yeah and they don't really they're not terrible people but they don't really care about him because you know, they're just trying to get through life and it does that very effectively 
and uh yeah and i think it's and it's genuinely like uh pulls up a few surprises because i think when you go in like you know he's a horse as a boy it's a road movie a road movies obviously have a certain structure where like eventually he's going to end up somewhere yeah yeah but it manages to pull a few like twists on you in a way which were really effective yeah um the general kind of attitude of, of the movie towards like uh america seems to be basically one that um as you say is like very empathetic towards um the its people but doesn't have a lot of faith in its like institutions to you know intervene there's like there's no kind of net uh to rescue people in this movie yeah yeah and it does have that kind of um sort of like western inflected um not lawlessness but just a uh i mean it, almost like um no country for all men or something like yeah, that yeah. you know this this land where bad things happen and people are not going to rescue you but you know there will be like friendly faces but in general this like life is hard and it's just like tough on people and things don't exist to to prevent that happening yeah um yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I say it's like very quietly affecting. It's very. Uh, I've only seen forty five years, but he's like it seems like a very. Everything's in his right place, you know. There's a lot of care that's gone into everything, and you kind of feel that when you watch it. And like I don't know, ten minutes in, I think I watched in a spate of watching quite a few bad movies, and when that started, I was like, this guy's a professional. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I think it just achieves all its goals. I think I might might like it better than forty five years. Actually, I'd have to think about it. But the way that it sketches everybody, I think, is very effective. Like you were saying, like creating these little three-dimensional um, portraits of people in a very like through performances and um, just little bits of dialogue and stuff. That's that's all done really, really well, I think. Um, and I enjoyed the general milieu a bit better than than the sort of like Cotswolds um, tedium <laughs> of uh, forty-five years. So yeah, I would I would definitely I would definitely recommend it. And this little Charlie Plummer fellow is one to watch, I'd say. Wasn't he in? All the money in the world, wasn't he the the kid? Oh shit! Yeah, he's the kid from All the Money in the World. Was he good in that? Yeah, really good in that. <laughs> One two punch from One plumber. two punch plumber knocking it out the fucking sea plums. I didn't realize there was two sea plums in uh, uh, in All the Money in the World. Mate, double plums. This makes the casting of Kevin Spacey an even stranger. There's literally they're supposed to be related. The two sea plums. Oh my god! What Why didn't I think of this at the time? They even have the same surname. In real life and in the movie. What? What? You're yeah, a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he yeah, he was excellent in that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I should have made that connection. I actually saw I saw that film. Ridiculous. That's why you That's why you're a fucking pro. This is why you're going places. <laughs> Alright. After this when when this when this podcast shuts down, it's gonna be because you've been hired by like fucking sign sound. You know, in twenty eight I'm just a bit older than you, just a bit wiser. Yeah, just, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. Give it a couple of months and you'll months be able to make me. these connections. I can do this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Who's the best actor of the last twenty years? The who's the writer? For, who's the foremost commenter on uh, on modern life today? Uh, only one name can possibly spring to mind. You you already know who we're talking about. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. He's great. He's uh, made some of the best movies: uh, The Invention of Lying, Life on the Road, that other one, Ghost Town, <laughs> <laughs> Cemetery Junction. 
the special correspondence. Special correspondence. All three of Night in the Museum movies. Yeah, and that uh, yeah. good sitcom, The Office. And Spike is four. He plays voices the dog. He's the dog in that, isn't he? So he's coming off the back of his uh, Netflix comedy special. He has got to deal with Netflix to produce a bunch of content for them as they will give limitless amounts of cash to literally anyone now. And he has a new project on the way, and it sounds very exciting. He tweeted the following. Sounds like a sort of joke, this. Doesn't sound real. (laughs) Sounds like a parody of Ricky Gervais. It is real. He said, I start pre-production on my new Netflix show tomorrow. It's a six-part dark comedy in which I play a man who, after the death of his wife, becomes suicidal but decides to live long enough to punish the world by saying and doing whatever the fuck he likes from now on. Boom. Uh, my uh. wife is dead. Finally, I can say the N-word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Someone pointed out that he's basically... The movie will be his life, but with a dead wife in it. So this is combining the, like, tiresome trope of, like, motivating a character by killing off a woman right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, With just his own brand of, like, shit, exhausted, um, offensive comedy, or whatever, quote-unquote offensive comedy. Yeah, it's always... I don't think... This is probably one of the worst ideas for, like, a TV show I could ever have imagined. On one hand, I'm, like, impressed that he's, like, managed to find a new thing. Yeah, it's like a a new new place. A new gear to, like, shift into. It's, like, the most obvious thing ever, in a way. But it's... Yeah, it's it's almost too on the nose. It really is, like, a tweet about that someone would do about him. Yeah, the only thing that would make this, like, amazing is it turns out he's got this... He's, it's a 20-year character he's created. He's some sort of Andy Kaufman-esque. <laughs> <laughs> and he reveals he's just, like, a nice guy. And he's, like... It was all comments on celebrity and culture about how, you know, a man gets consumed by his own ego. Oh, God, I fucking hope so. Oh, man. Maybe he'll be like, I just made that entire television show Derek in character. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real me. That... <laughs> Yeah, I like it wasn't me who made that. It was my Ricky Gervais character who made that show. It was like really working, working on those different levels. Well, I know like this is a very obvious point, but in terms of his sitcom output, they've become like worse and worse. He's like M Night Shyamalan, but about the recent comeback. Yeah, it's like you know the Office is peerless, the extras was pretty good, Life's Too Short was bad, Derek was even worse. So what's this going to be? I mean... Well, I don't... I mean, even if he hadn't made those intervening, sort of, like, increasingly worse sitcoms, I don't think we have we could have much faith in this one. Do you want to hear a little bit of banter he was having on Twitter with sure, one of his sure. one of one of his fans, someone called Ewan McIntosh? I don't know who that is. I think he seems to be a celebrity of some kind as well. Maybe he's got his own, like, show or something. He says, Can I play your dead wife? To Ricky. Ricky replies, That depends. Would that be considered very PC or very un-PC at the moment? I'm not going to tell you which one I'm hoping for before you answer. Ewan replies, very PC right now, but probably very un-PC by the time it comes out. Ricky. I can't take that chance then. By the way, did you mean in my new series or real life? Ewan, I don't mind to be honest, I just really want to play someone's dead wife. Ricky, I can see why. It's got Oscar written all over it, particularly if it's set in a concentration camp. Brilliant. Incredible fucking banter. 15 years ago, whatever. What? Which one? Uh, one of the extras, like, um, Kate Winslet, she, like, has this joke where she's like, I'm thinking about playing, like, a mental or something, or a concentrate, that's the way to get the Oscar or something. And then, somewhat comically, she did get nominated for The Reader, which was about, uh, <laughs> so, there was, you know, some truth in that, I guess, in that Oscar's, like, very committed performances, but I don't know. 
So what do you think? Let's make some predictions now about what he's going to do when he's saying and doing whatever the fuck he likes in order to take revenge on the world or something. Um, I think I definitely think Nazis are going to be involved. Yeah, I think he likes dressing up like Nazis. I think he's got a bit of has, he, has he has he been a vocal supporter of Count Dankula? Yeah, he loves Count Dankula. He's a Dankula fan. I don't, yeah. I, what what do they call his fans? Do they have a name like the Dankuloids or something <laughs> like that? The Dankulons? Dankers. The Dankers. <laughs> The absolute big D's, dankers. yeah. As a bit, as a sort of absolute danker himself, um, maybe maybe he'll he'll feature like you know he steps away from the brink, he doesn't kill himself, and he just immediately goes to his dog and like puts a like Nazi hat on it and is like I think it'll Heil be, Hitler. It'll be like uh, you know he ruffles the feathers on SJWs and gets vilified, but an even bigger, more vocal group support him, and he becomes like this cult leader. <laughs> And they just love him. Oh, it's going to be like the invention of lying, like, except with like yeah. the invention of being offensive. The invention of being a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, and then he really sticks to the SJWs, right, and just makes them cry and stuff. And like, maybe it's going to be like that. You know that Simpsons episode where um, Bart's the, like it's the sort of do what you feel like thing. Yeah. The sort of like lifestyle advice. It's going to be like that, but you know, just unironically. Yeah. It's just like do what you say what you feel like. That's actually what you have to do. Well, the first ten minutes of humanity was just like. Uh, constant transphobia so maybe more of that there's probably going to be some like purple haired you know transgender woman or something who like starts screaming at him because like you know he misgenders them or something yeah dead names them yeah exactly and then uh and then it goes viral on youtube and you know everyone applauds his willingness to like say whatever say whatever he likes oh god i feel like he's a he's a good litmus test of people like Someone like Richard Gervais, I'm like, I'm sorry, but you are a moron. Uh, you cannot you, possibly. If you're a time traveller from 2002, fine. You know, right. that's fine. You, you seem, you're probably a sound guy. Richard Gervais' old mother? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I assume she's old. Have you had no access to any form of media for 15 years? Yeah, probably all right. But if you're from now and you've been following anything, then, it, you know, you're bad. It always seems to be like, I don't know, like, I remember... Um, I know he says something shocking the same week like Morrissey does. Morrissey, Morrissey does the way Morrissey does all the yeah. time. <laughs> there just seems to be the like the last refuge of uh, once relevant white guys. It's like I must, I'll, you know, culture has moved on and I used to be important. So all I can do now is say something offensive. It's such a sort of throwing the toys out of the pram move. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because like it is basically the exact same thing as you know Bernard Manning being like saying a joke like you know yeah he's like oh but the packy in my joke is a great guy or whatever yeah it's yeah. basically exactly the same as that except with different like words and slurs you know yeah um yeah and it's it's a it's just such a sort of tragic like route that they are insisting on going down i think there's a bit in his t- television show where he's like um having sex with somebody and then he like makes some off-color remark about the like transgender uh agenda or something like that and then she just like snaps his dick right off like a carrot and on that note goodbye goodbye <laughs> immediately <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. Uh, what are we uh, what are we doing next week danny what are uh, we doing? i'm not sure what's out but i i do know the movie jeune femme is out which i saw the one for the one and it's very good it's a french movie about a woman coming of age in her late 20s which is something i'm totally on board on about a, like, let me just let me just consult my gcse french i think it's about a young woman <laughs> 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 it's about her sort of you know getting her shit together oh, she's man. quite old Hope. sounds inspiring 
I'm on board with this, you know. I can't expect all these coming of age people are like 16, 17. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? This fucking kid in his movie. Yeah. He's got to deal with the most serious stuff, and he's only fifteen I years old. Deal with that stuff ten years from now. I couldn't deal with something at one tenth as difficult as that in ten years' time. <laughs> <laughs> I could deal with maybe something one hundredth. That's as hard. Difficult in like one year. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly we're just way behind on this trajectory okay when i'm 128 maybe i can maybe. deal with it <laughs> but not now yeah my own current projections oh, all right so I'll, I'll, I'll try to try that down and be inspired to grow the fuck up a little bit goodbye goodbye let's see you then laters let's do it Tom's a little asshole, all right? <laughs> so let's start there. All right. All right, Tom's an asshole. All right, so. A lot of hair gel. A lot of gel, a lot of mousse. A lot, he has like, you know, we have RDJ in the movie. Artie, say hello to Benjamin. How hey, are baby, you, there's nothing good in there. Bring Thomas juice volume. <laughs> <laughs> he gets cranky when he doesn't have his sugar. Tom, will you keep your, just to keep it down, man? Damn, man, you can't even do an interview. He over here yapping. He's a problem, man. We complain about his squeaky voice. It's just a problem. He's a wildly annoying person. It's just look. Ever since his movie come out, he has two assistants now. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's so much. It's, it's get out of here, man. It's so much. Silent whisperer. Yes, God. Right. Everything, because he's so little, he's like a, uh, he's like a shit suit, you know? And he's just like, it's like, hey, Anthony, I'm like, Tom, just stop, take off the spandex, stop, it's just, it's too much, man, it's too much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 